Well, hello and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we're talking with Shannon Curtis, the chief of the Watershed Assessment Branch. That's in the Stormwater Planning Division of the Department of Public Works and Environmental Services. We've got a lot to talk about on this show, so uh, we'll get to it right now. But we're going to cover stormwater management, watershed, and stream health in Fairfax County. Going to talk about a new device installed in Little Huntington, Little Hunting Creek that uh, captures litter and trash from the stream, as well as maybe talk about the impact of human activity and what that has on the uh, the watersheds and the health of stream water here in Fairfax County. So, Shannon, as I said, a lot to cover, a lot to unpack today. But first, thanks for being on the County Conversation podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim, and thanks for um, the interest in stormwater management. Oh, absolutely. It's something that uh, should be important to everybody. Yeah, a lot of people don't um, necessarily, it's not front of mind for um, average folks necessarily in terms of you know, where's the water go after it rains? And I wonder what happens downstream and, you know, flooding. Um, usually when th- systems are taken care of properly, people don't think about them. And that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing, right? Yeah, exactly. A good thing and a bad thing. And I think it's, as you said, top of mind awareness, which we don't have unless there's a problem. And, you know, the storm water is something we just assume it will be taken care of. And, uh, you know, it, it, it most of the time is, unfortunately, if we have, uh, you know, big heavy rains or that kind of thing. But I'm going to take a step back for just a minute. If you could kind of tell me and explain to me what exactly Stormwater Planning Division does and, and what stormwater management is. So in Fairfax County, um, stormwater management covers kind of a, a variety of uh, related issues. Um, we there, there's kind of some major themes. We deal with, you know, the conveyance of stormwater off of the landscape. Uh, we try to reduce flooding. We um, understand where the floodplains are, and we model those to try and keep, um, you know, development and structures out of the floodplain so that they, those can be used for receiving water during storms. Um, and we design innovative um Stormwater management facilities and stream restorations where we have degraded conditions to try and do ecological restoration practices, uh, because as you'll find out later, we have some pretty um, badly affected receiving water bodies from our past um, stormwater management um, inadequacies, let's say. Um, so, you know, flooding is a, is, a, is a concern with stormwater management, probably the top concern. Um, but also, once our water gets out into the environment, what is happening? And that's become much more of a focus in the last several decades. Um, yes, it's, it's fairly easy to get the water off the landscape in most situations. Uh, but, but, but then what happens once that water goes out into the natural environment? And should we be concerned about that? And there's right. been a lot of focus on that in recent times. So stormwater planning... There's, there's a maintenance group that takes care of all the conveyance system, the pipes and the ponds and all of the infrastructure that conveys that off the landscape. And that's the maintenance and stormwater management group. Stormwater planning, which I'm a part of, we do more um, planning and design of larger capital projects um, and flood response, um, ecological monitoring and watershed management planning for long term um, planning and management of all those resources. 
So, so storm water, the, the word there, that storm water, it's all together. It's, it's not as complicated as it may seem. It's the water that comes from storms and, and managing that. Yeah, as soon as it, it's not in the sky anymore and it hits the ground, then it's storm water and then it has to be accounted for. If you ignore it, you, you will get punished, as any homeowner knows. Um, right. So you have to plan for it. You have to know where you want that water to go and how you want to try and make it, um, you know, kind of make it do what you want it to do. Because left to its own, it will, you know, it'll damage structures. It can really... Um, cause problems in the environment if there's too much of it all at once. So, yeah, stormwater is essentially runoff. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also, you know, we also try to get some of that runoff into the ground, too. So stormwater is kind of um, what we have, the water that we have to deal with when it rains. Yes, that's, and then snow melt, <laughs> it, snow melt is, is, is kind of a, a delayed stormwater, right? It, it sits right. on the ground for a while, and then when it melts, technically, that stormwater, it's just had a, a delay time. Gotcha. Now, this is uh, not an old uh, field of expertise, uh, stormwater planning and, and the recognition of stormwater and what happens. It's, it's uh, fairly new in, in the life cycle of, of, you know, the country, if you will. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. Um, you know, we've been building buildings and we've been building roads and we've been building cities and we've building, you know, that, that type of civil infrastructure for, you know, decades and decades and, and even hundreds of years, you know, um, stormwater management has really only come into the focus in the last, I would say, 40 years as, as far as a really important factor um, as in terms of our civil engineering and our capital um, development programs. And it's a really good point because what we're learning now, what we are trying and experimenting with and what we are trying to innovate is, is is very new, whereas, you know, wastewater has been around for a long time, you know, um, building structures, we've been building buildings for a very long time. So a lot of that stuff has been vetted out and there's there's a lot of standards. But with stormwater, um, we're dealing with the environment, we're in dealing with a rapidly urbanizing, um, things are constantly changing. So, so stormwater is definitely the newness of stormwater um, provides a lot of opportunities, but also a lot of challenges as we try to manage it properly. Are there lessons learned, big um, changes in that in that forty some odd year history? Of, Absolutely, of okay. Absolutely. And, and so I'll go through kind of the the kind of the very general um, generalized uh, timeline for how originally stormwater was. Oh gosh, we got all this water all over where we're trying to live, let's get it away from us. And so the initial concepts were, you know, routing the stormwater away from the structures and the, the human built environment. And, and the paradigm there was to get it away as fast as you can. And as soon as you can get it to where there are woods or where there's a stream or where there's a low spot, then you let it go. And then you turn around, and you walk back to your built environment. And so that was kind of the that was the paradigm for, for a long time. Right. Not um, my and, problem anymore. Right. Right. And then people started going to the kind of the end of that built section and looking at the receiving water bodies. And they and we started seeing there's terrible erosion and there's pollution and, you know, things are getting washed down into the environment. And we have a very sick environment in, in, around the country because, you know, we weren't paying attention to the the full extent of that system. We were just kind of turning around and walking away once it left our built environment. And 
And so over time, we've decided, we've, we've, we've realized that, you know, we're affecting the biology and the health of our environment. And so stormwater has slowly evolved to account for um, the impacts that it has to the receiving landscape. And so we started building stormwater detention ponds where we would say, okay, we're going to build these ponds to kind of reduce some of the flooding downstream. And that worked for a while, but then we realized these ponds that, that, are, that detain the water for a little while are actually exacerbating the erosion and some of the hydrology problems in, in, in the stream valley. So those ponds then evolved to be more water quality. So they weren't just trying to take the extra water. They're actually trying to start to treat the water and remove some of the pollutants through natural processes. And now we've even moved on beyond that as we've moved away from ponds. And we realized that we're putting so much extra water on the surface because we pave everything that the streams can't handle that much water all at one time. And now we're trying to mimic natural processes by encouraging infiltration, which is the water permeating into the ground. So really quickly, when you have a forest, a lot of water gets into the ground and very little comes off as runoff on the surface. When you have shopping malls and pavements and houses and, and highways, much more of that water is shed on the surface and very little can get into the ground. So you've increased the amount of runoff you have. So now we're kind of looking at trying to mimic natural hydrology and getting more and more water in the ground, which means smaller um, little areas to, to infiltrate that water into the ground rather than one big detention pond. So there's definitely been an evolution. And now we're even to the point where if we can reduce the amount of water actually leaving the site and reuse it for flushing toilets and for gray water infrastructure, that's even less water we have to manage. So it's definitely evolving um, to your point over that last probably 40 years. Right. Where in the world would you study and what would you study to get involved in this line of business? Well, that's kind of a that's kind of a great question because, you know, there's really no um, one answer. It's really become in, in, it, in our organization is really a testament to that. It's really become a uh, multidisciplined profession because there are so many elements to it. There's that natural environment. So you need ecologists and hydrologists and biologists that understand the ecology and maybe the natural channels. You need engineers that understand the fluid mechanics of water and how to retain it and how to manage it and how to build structural facilities that are, you know, reliable. So you need engineers, you need ecologists, you need landscape architects to help with the ecological landscape restoration of these areas that are receiving this water. Um, we have we have a diverse variety of skill sets that we bring to bear um, to this problem. And so it used to be, it was just a civil engineering problem and engineers tried to, to solve all the problems. But what we realized is the tools that engineers have aren't necessarily encompassing all of the, the ecological needs um, of the bigger picture. So we've started diversifying our skill sets and the people that we have uh, working on this. So, wow. um, yeah, it kind of, that kind of evolved too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot more to cover. We're talking with Shannon Curtis, Chief Watershed Assessment Branch, Stormwater Planning Division with the Department of Public Works and Environmental Services. I mentioned in the intro, we were going to talk about watershed and stream health in Fairfax County. First of all, could you briefly tell me what a watershed is? You got really great questions, Jim. You're asking all the right questions. So a watershed is basically the area of land that contributes runoff to a certain point. So if you walk to a stream and you look up the stream, 
any water that lands on the surface that comes to that point is part of that watershed. So it's basically a delineated land surface area. And watersheds can be very small depending on where you're standing, or they could be enormous. You could go down to the Chesapeake Bay and say, what's the area of land that comes to this Chesapeake Bay? And that's 64,000 square miles of land area. So wow. watersheds are scalable depending on where your point of interest is. Okay. Well, then I'll ask this question and then we'll go into streams and, and figure out how, you know, that impacts runoff. We, we said watershed health and stream health. So watershed health in Fairfax County, how, how are we doing? So watershed health and stream health are almost inextricably linked because, oh, okay. I, you know, I always say, you know, the watershed is the land area. The stream is actually just the receiving channel, right? But the, the, the receiving channel is a direct reflection of the, um, the state of the watershed that, that sheds water to it, right, that runs water off of it. If you have a very healthy, heavily forest, naturalized watershed, you're going to have a very healthy, natural, intact stream, um, biological community and um, habitat and physical conditions. The more that the watershed becomes altered, and, and, and change from its natural state, the more that the stream reflects those alterations. And so anytime you change something in the watershed, you see a requisite shift in the receiving channel, and it's typically a degradation um, of sorts. So I always like to say, whenever it rains, the watershed and the stream are basically, uh, the watershed and the stream are linked. So you drop some bleach on the ground by accident, and okay, well, I walk away. Next time it rains, all of a sudden now that bleach is part of that stream because it washes into it. And so, you know, the landscape is inextricably linked to the stream. And especially when it rains, that's when they become unified. You mentioned retention ponds earlier. Are those technically watersheds? No, they're more of a catch basin. So in other words, they're collecting uh, water from a larger area. And so that larger area that comes to them is their watershed or their drainage area. Okay. If that makes right. sense. Yeah, no, it does. And uh, you're answering the questions that uh, even I can understand, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, how, how is the, the watershed and stream health in Fairfax County? You gave me a good explanation and, and all that, but are, you know, are we like A plus? Are we C? Are we, are we doing okay? Is there a way to, to, to rank it or classify it? Oh, absolutely. And we've been doing this for about 20 years now. You know, back in 1999, the Board of Supervisors asked us, they said exactly what you just said. What is the status of our watersheds? What are the health of them countywide? And what, um, why are they good or bad? And what can we do? And so we spent two years doing a, a, a rapid county assessment of all the stream conditions in the county. We provided a report called the Stream Protection Strategy Baseline Study in 2001. And that basically kind of answered those big questions. And what we found then was that about 75% of the streams in Fairfax County are considered fair, poor, or very poor in their health, in their ecological and physical condition. So that only leaves 25% of the streams in the county that would be considered good or excellent. All right. So, and what's interesting is that through today, we do this every year and we go out there and we look at different sites countywide and we are consistently finding that that number is pretty much holding constant throughout those 20 years. Goodness, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, it's a shame and it's a good thing because it has raised the attention 
um, of our leaders, and it has really directed resources for us to try and figure out and fix these problems. True. So what is the county doing to make that uh, 75-25 number Mm -hmm. switch? So there are we there there's a lot of things that are doing. We've in those 20 years we have um protected stream channels through the Chesapeake Bay Preservation Act and we've provided protection for streamside buffers and the vegetated areas along streams to try and help with natural pollution reduction. We did that in 2003 and 4 where we uh increased the resource protection areas throughout the county, made a countywide map that provided pr- protections for those natural areas. We have consistently innovated our stormwater management requirements and our policies. So if you're a developer and you come in and you want to take out this forest and put in a housing development, uh, what we used to require from you 20 or 30 years ago has significantly increased in terms of its effectiveness and in terms of its innovative um, technology. So we have changed the regulations and continue to improve those. Um, and then we've had significant amounts of capital improvement um, funds and resources to do things like upgrading our current facilities. We have an old pond that was built in the 70s. We have new technology. We own that pond. Let's upgrade it and make it do much more pollution removal and be much more effective and efficient in what it's supposed to do. And also these degraded stream channels that have been neglected and and eroded for many, many decades, we are now going in and doing ecological restoration. We're reducing the erosion. We're getting the water back out into the floodplain where it can slow down and the plants can absorb it. So um, the county is spending significant amounts of time and resources on addressing these issues. And we are, in in small areas, we are seeing um, those benefits kind of come to fruition. I mentioned in the intro we would be talking about Little Hunting Creek and something called a band along. Did I pronounce that correct? You did. Okay. Tell tell me what that is and why that's so important. So the band along is kind of a first of its kind in Fairfax County, and um, this topic is kind of um, it's very indicative of how how inclusive stormwater, how expansive stormwater management can be. Um, this is a litter trap. So um, in addition to the extra runoff and the additional volume of water that we're dealing with, in addition to the pollutants that are dissolved in the water, in addition to managing the floodplains and the dams and all of that, there's also this element of when it rains in very urban areas, a lot of the litter that is not properly disposed of or is getting out of those proper disposal areas by wind or other methods that rain, that water is washing it down into the streams. And in some areas of the county where we have highly urban corridors, such as the Route 1 corridor through you know, the Mount Vernon area, there are a lot, it's a high density of people living there. There's a lot of shopping malls, there's a lot of bus stops, there's a lot of roadways, um, there's a lot of convenience stores and fast food stores. And so there's subsequently a lot of potential for trash and litter um, on the landscape, and then to find its way into the stream. And Little Hunting Creek has kind of been notoriously um, identified as the quote-unquote trashiest stream in the county um, with regard to the things that rain picks up and washes through the creek. Um, and so it has received a lot of attention from the public, from us as uh, public servants, you know, trying to manage these systems, um, from elected officials, um, from the state regulatory groups, you know, saying this is really a problem. We need to do something about it. 
And so what we did uh, without being told to do it, uh, we said, let's pilot some of this interesting technology that we see in other places like Washington, D.C. and other cities and actually around the world who are trying to grapple with this, this litter problem. Because as you as the listeners may know, we have a really global issue with the amount of plastics and debris that's going into the marine environment. Um, and it's, if, you look, if you look into the information there, it's quite startling what we're doing to our oceans. Um, and it's also just bad environment for us as we see it along the way. So the Band Along is a pilot program where this device that sits on top of the stream and rises and falls with the stream because it floats on top. It's a skimmer that collects all of the floating type of trash, water bottles, styrofoam, uh, milk cartons, you know, Gatorade bottles, coffee cups, all those type of things that get washed in the stream and you, you see floating down the stream. This is skimming all of those things up. And then we go in and we clean it out and we put those in the solid waste stream and they get, they get disposed of properly. And so we wanted to see what the maintenance requirements were of, for this and how you know, how challenging it would be to implement some of these things before we went and bought 20 of them and put them in everywhere. So. Right, right. When did this start and what have you learned so far? So the substantial completion for this project in Little Hunting Creek was this spring, right around the time COVID hit. I think it was right around March because we had an on-site meeting and I remember we were all having to wear masks for the first time and that was all new. Um, this had been in the works. We had been looking for sites to try this out um, years before, and my group had identified this as probably the best site in terms of access, in terms of installing the thing and getting it cleaned and where the need was. And so it's been in place for uh, since this spring, and it's collecting trash exactly as it should. It's functioning very effectively. We haven't had any major problems yet. And right now we're trying to figure out what is the maintenance regiment uh, for keeping this thing clean so that it continues to function. Um, and then we're actually working on how do we quantify metrics to determine how much trash we're getting out per unit time so that we can say, since we've put this in, this has removed this much or you know this volume or this weight per unit time. Yeah, that was going to be a question I had was, do, do you have any early results other than, you know, or even anecdotal results? Well, anecdotal. We don't have hard data as of yet because we're still working on how to quantify it. It can be very difficult sometimes. If I told you we pulled out 10 pounds of plastic, I, I, you know, you might visualize a certain heap of plastic. And I tell someone else, and they might visualize a different size heap of plastic. So we're thinking maybe we go with volume. You know, we pulled out 45 trash bags of trash. That people can actually wrap their heads around, and it, right. it, it's a consistent visual. So. We're, we're trying to effectively develop metrics that are communicatable to the public, that people easily understand, that are repeatable if we were to do these in other places. So we don't have those hard numbers yet. It's only been in for a few months. Um, during dry weather, we don't get as much collection activity. When it rains, we obviously, that's when everything jams up and, and it fills up and we have to go out and clean it. So we're learning those things right now. But anecdotally, it's working very well. When you go and visit it, if you look at the upstream side of this device, you will see there's all kinds of floating debris that's trapped and it's impinged upon the upstream side of the device. And when you look downstream, you see the surface of the stream is, is clean and free of all of that debris. And nothing's really getting by on it, even during storms. So um, it's so far so good. Now, we haven't yeah. had a tropical storm that would, you know, 
blow right. trees down through there. And those those are going to happen. We are going to have times when that happens. But right now, we're very happy with how it seems to be performing. Knock on wood that uh, Fairfax County has been lucky over the past several months, if not years, with uh, major storms that have affected lots of areas around us. So let's hope our uh, our luck continues. We are almost out of time, Shannon, but uh, you have mentioned a lot of things in this podcast that residents can listen to, take it, take heart, and, and do to um, you know help help the watershed health and the stream health. But if you could, final thought, final question from you. Give us some recommendations. What can residents do to help improve watershed and stream health in Fairfax County? Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, we can know a lot, but until we have something that affects our personal lives, we really can't make a huge difference uh, and affect change. And so there's actually a lot of things. I could spend a lot of time talking about this, and I would reference your listeners that are interested in learning more to go to our stormwater management website on the county webpage, and you can find out about our educational programs, you can find out about our outreach activities, you can find out about things that you can do as a resident. A few things I would probably say at the top of that list is, number one, be educated. Know and educate people around you, like your children or your parents or your neighbors. One thing that's very fundamental to know, every storm drain that drains water off of a road that it ends up in a stream. It doesn't go to a treatment plant. It doesn't go and get cleaned up, quote unquote, like we do with our wastewater. That goes right to the environment. And so if you spill something or if you see someone dumping oil or if you're washing your car and those suds go down there, you got to remember everything that gets on the land and goes to that drainage is going to end our environment. There's no treatment there. Um, so that's really important to understand that concept. And we say only rain down the drain. So that's important. Um, you can actively get involved with groups in your community that are called Friends of groups. So there's Friends of Akatink Creek Watershed. There's Friends of Pohick Creek. There's Friends of Lake Akatink. There's Friends of Difficult Run. Those These groups are community-based organizations that go out and they do stream cleanups, which you can get involved with. We have these every year. Um, they go out and they, and they advocate for the stream, they're watchdogs. If they see things that are not supposed to be happening in the stream, they contact the county or the proper authorities. So you can get involved in these friends of groups. Um, and you can also just reduce your impact on the environment as a whole by reducing your usage and recycle where you can, you know, try to educate others on littering and reduce the amount of hardscapes around your house. You know, the more hard things you have that don't let water go into the ground, the more runoff you create that has to be managed. Right. So I could go on for a long time about that. And I would definitely encourage your listeners, if they're interested, to go and, and seek more on their own. Because there's a lot we can do as individuals. Well, of course, fairfaxcounty.gov slash public dash works is a great place to, uh, to go. Lots of different pages on the public works site. Of course, fairfaxcounty.gov, and you can just do a search for any of the topics that you're looking for. A lot of uh, great information there, and as Shannon said, a lot more we could talk about. I wish time would allow, but uh, definitely has whet our appetite, Shannon, to uh, to learn more about helping improve the health of our uh, our streams and, and the watersheds here in Fairfax County. So thanks for being on the County Conversation podcast. Thanks for having us, and thanks again for the interest in the topic. Absolutely. If you need to get more Fairfax County news and uh, event information, you can visit fairfaxcounty.gov news. You can also call us at 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. And that's weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. 
The County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.